discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. According to the Institute for Responsible Technology, Jeffrey M. Smith is a best-selling author, award-winning filmmaker, celebrated public speaker, and penetrating interviewer. His work has influenced the behavior and health of millions of people worldwide. Jeffrey was the architect of a successful plan to achieve the tipping point of consumer rejection of genetically engineered foods. The majority of Americans now understand that GMOs are unsafe and the food industry industry is responding by removing them. His global bestseller, Seeds of Deception, ignited the anti-GMO movement by exposing industry and government lies about GMO safety. In the book Genetic Roulette, he organized the science behind GMO health risks in a unique, easy-to-digest format, prompting one reviewer to write, quote, Smith has to be the best science communicator alive today, end quote. Over more than two decades, Jeffrey gave 1,000 lectures and 1,000 interviews in 45 countries, trained 1,500 speakers, organized over 10,000 grassroots activists, and appeared in top news outlets including the New York Times, the Washington Post, Time Magazine, The Doctors, and The Dr. Oz Show. He introduced the science on GMOs to medical communities worldwide, inspiring thousands of practitioners to prescribe non-GMO and organic diets. Many of them recommend his most recent documentary, Secret Ingredients, which features emotional stories of families who recover from serious diseases after switching to organic food. The film links GMOs and Roundup herbicides to cancer, infertility, autism, Alzheimer's, allergies, skin conditions, digestive disorders, and other health conditions, and motivates viewers to increase their commitment to organic. Jeffrey is the founding executive director of the Institute for Responsible Technology and the creator of the Healing from GMOs and Roundup Summit, the 90-Day Lifestyle Upgrade, GMO Speaker Training, and the upcoming Degree in GMOs. He is sought after as an inspirational keynote speaker and interviewer and hosts the Live Healthy, Be Well podcast. Jeffrey has received numerous awards and tonight, dear listener, Jeffrey is my very special guest for this week's edition of Open Mic Nights. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. 
Howdy folks, today I shall be sharing with you an entire chapter from Jeffrey M. Smith's book titled Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating. Please remember, this book was published in 2003, so there may be a few things that are slightly outdated, and as a side note, I highly encourage you to put into context what you are hearing as it pertains to genetically modified vaccines as opposed to genetically modified foods. If you do that, I think more than a few things you are about to hear might strike a chord. And without further ado, let me turn the microphone over, as it were, to Mr. Jeffrey M. Smith. And the following comes from chapter two of the book titled, What Could Go Wrong? A Partial List. In 1985, pigs were engineered with a human gene that produces human growth hormone. The scientists' goal was to produce a faster-growing pig. What they got was a freak show. Reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Bill Lembricht, wrote, quote, With their bristly hair and wide muzzles, these animals looked nothing like the pigs on the farm owned by my grandfather. In one of the first litters born with the growth hormone genes, a female piglet had no anus or genitals. Some of the pigs were too lethargic to stand. Others had arthritis, ulcers, enlarged hearts, dermatitis, vision problems, or renal disease. This was an early example in a long line of experiments with unpredicted results. In fact, the single most common outcome of genetic engineering has been surprise. Here's some examples. Scientists engineered tobacco to produce a particular acid. That's all they wanted, the acid and nothing else. But the plants also created a toxic compound not normally found in tobacco. Monsanto engineered two types of cotton, one to withstand applications of their Roundup Ready herbicide, the other to produce its own pesticide called Bt. The plants were not supposed to have any other novel attributes. The first year that the GM cotton was planted, however, tens of thousands of acres malfunctioned. In Missouri, plants dropped their cotton balls. Others died on contact with the herbicide they were supposedly engineered to tolerate. In Texas, up to 50% of the Bt cotton failed to provide the predicted level of insecticide, and numerous farmers had problems with germination, uneven growth, lower yield, and other problems. Scientists who genetically modified yeast to increase its fermentation were shocked to discover that it also increased levels of a naturally occurring toxin by 40 to 200 times. In their paper, which was published in the International Journal of Food Science and Technology, the authors admitted that their results, quote, may raise some questions regarding the safety and acceptability of genetically engineered food and give some credence to the many consumers who are not yet prepared to accept food produced using gene engineering techniques, end quote. They also pointed out that their yeast, which had not been inserted with foreign genes, but rather with multiple copies of the yeast's own gene, was not, quote unquote, Quote, substantially equivalent to normal yeast, as is assumed by many governments' GMO policies. And Oxford University scientists 
who were attempting to suppress an enzyme in a potato, accidentally boosted its starch content. Professor Chris Lever, department head for plant sciences, said, quote, We were as surprised as anyone. Nothing in our current understanding of the metabolic pathways of plants would have suggested that our enzyme would have such a profound influence on starch production, end quote. Why is it that scientists who engineer organisms to create one effect more often than not end up with something altogether different? One reason is that there is a lot going on with gene expression that we don't understand. Another reason is that many of the main scientific principles that formed the basis for genetic engineering have since been proven false. To understand the possible causes of the deformed pigs or toxic tobacco, we must understand the process of genetic engineering, and that explanation begins with DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acid, or DNA, is found inside the nucleus of every cell. It is a complex, we're talking really complex, molecule with billions of atoms tightly wrapped in a double helix formation. Picture a ladder twisted into a spiral. If uncoiled, a single DNA molecule would stretch almost 10 feet. DNA has been compared to a supercomputer, a blueprint, and the central switchboard in ways that are still largely a mystery. DNA tells the cell how to behave and carries information that that is passed from generation to generation. Just as computer software is based on a simple code of ones and zeros, DNA's software is made up of four recurring units called nucleotides, or bases, arranged in pairs. And like software, it is the sequence of these units that carries the information. Every cellular organism has DNA, although it differs in size, content, and complexity. Human DNA has 3 billion base pairs. In their efforts to crack this code, scientists have determined that in many higher organisms, only about 1-3% to of the DNA molecule is made up of genes. A gene is a specific sequence of bases that function as a unit, carrying particular orders for the body or mind. Our genes can determine the color of our hair and eyes, the height of our body, and a myriad of other traits. Genetic engineering is not an extension of natural breeding. The DNA of a species changes and evolves in part through sexual reproduction. Genes from the female and male are combined and interact in various ways so that some of each parent are expressed in the offspring. DNA can also mutate, and in spite of very intelligent quote-unquote fix-it molecules in the cells of many species whose job is to repair the DNA, some mutations will stick around and be passed on to the next generation. For centuries, farmers, gardeners, and livestock breeders have intentionally bred plants or animals in order to combine desirable traits. If one type of rice grows well, for example, and another is tastier, a breeder may cross the two in the hopes of creating tastier, hardier rice. Sometimes the offspring's DNA will fulfill the breeder's desires. At other times, the traits just won't combine well. Nature had other plans. With genetic engineering, breeders have a whole new bag of tricks. Instead of relying on species to pass on genes through mating, biologists cut the gene out of one species' DNA, modify it, and then insert it directly into another species' DNA. And since virtually all organisms have DNA, scientists don't have to limit the source of their genes to members of the same species. They can search anywhere in the plants, animal, bacteria, even human world to find genes with desirable traits, or even synthesize genes in the laboratory that don't exist in nature. For example, a scientist knew of a species of arctic flounder 
that was resistant to freezing in cold temperatures. He wanted his tomatoes to resist cold temperatures so they wouldn't die in frost. The scientist didn't have to wait for the unlikely event of the fish mating with the tomato. Instead, he figured out which gene in the fish keeps it from freezing and then inserted that gene into the tomato's DNA. The antifreeze gene has never, ever, ever existed before in a tomato. But now it's in the scientists' tomatoes and all their future offspring. Biotech proponents regularly spin their technology as an extension of natural breeding. The U.S. Speaker of the House, for example, said in March 2003, quote, Since the dawn of time, farmers have been modifying plants to improve yields and create new variants resistant to pests and diseases. Biotechnology is merely the next stage of development in this age-old process. End quote. While it may be the new tool in the breeder's toolbox, many scientists are adamant that the technology is completely different and must not be mistaken with traditional breeding practices. George Wald, Nobel laureate in medicine and former Higgins professor of biology at Harvard University, said that genetic engineering presents, quote, our society with problems unprecedented not only in the history of science, but of life on the earth. It places in human hands the capacity to redesign living organisms, the products of some three billion years of evolution. Such intervention must not be confused with previous intrusions upon the natural order of living organisms, animal and plant breeding, for example, or the artificial induction of mutations, as with x-rays. All such earlier procedures worked within single or closely related species. The nub of the new technology is to move genes back and forth, not only across species lines, but across any boundaries that now divide living organisms, end quote. In Wald's view, the fact that a fish can't mate with a tomato is not random, but the result of the natural evolution of life on Earth. By crossing that natural, age-old species barrier, genetic engineers are not simply changing a specific species. They are tampering with the evolution of all species. Quote, the results will be essentially new organisms, self-perpetuating and hence permanent. Once created, they cannot be recalled. Wald warned, up to now, living organisms have evolved very slowly and new forms have had plenty of time to settle in. Now whole proteins will be transposed overnight into wholly new associations, with consequences no one can foretell, either for the host organism or their neighbors. End quote. Wald said that genetic engineering, quote, presents probably the largest ethical problem that science has ever had to face. End quote. He also warned, quote, going ahead in this direction may be not only unwise, but dangerous. Potentially, it could breed new animal and plant diseases, new sources of cancer, novel epidemics, end quote. Genetic engineering is based on an obsolete model. When the scientist took the antifreeze gene from the fish, he did so because he knew that the gene creates a particular antifreeze protein. It's the protein that helps the fish to survive cold temperatures. Genes give their orders to the cell by creating proteins, which in turn confer the trait to the plant or animal. The old theory of genetics asserted that each gene is coded for its own single unique protein. Biologists also estimated that the number of proteins in the human body was 100,000 or more. Thus, they predicted that there would conveniently be about 100,000 genes in human DNA. When the number of human genes was ultimately tallied and reported on June 26, 2000, it shocked the scientific world. There were only about 
30,000. Oops. This figure not only fails to account for the estimated number of proteins, it falls short of explaining the vast quantity of inheritable traits in the human body. Moreover, there are weeds with as many as 26,000 genes. Given the one protein, one gene theory, shouldn't humans have far more genes than a weed? Something seemed terribly wrong. It turns out that the vast majority of genes do not encode for a unique protein. On the contrary, some genes can make many, many proteins. In fact, the current record is set by a single gene from a fruit fly, which can generate up to 38,016 different protein molecules. In humans, Nearly all genes are theoretically able to make two or more proteins. The number of human genes capable of coding for only a single trait can be counted on your hands. The fact that a gene creates multiple proteins may explain some of the surprises that keep popping up for genetic engineers, and it is first on our list of what can go wrong and why. Number one, code scramblers. To make a protein, the DNA uses its unique genetic code to write a prescription for its chief assistant, RNA. The RNA fills the prescription by creating and assembling amino acids. The amino acids form the protein, but in some cases, before RNA fills the prescription for the protein, along come the spliceosomes, we'll call them code scramblers, a group of molecules that cut up the RNA, rearrange it, and then reassemble it. Once reassembled, alternately called spliced, the RNA now has an entirely new prescription resulting in the creation of an entirely new protein. The code scramblers can rearrange a single RNA code in many, many ways, creating hundreds and even thousands of different proteins from a single gene. The code scramblers are by no means arbitrary in their work. Imagine roaming molecules, carefully observing passing RNA, comparing them to the pictures on a clipboard of their 10 most wanted. When a match is spotted, on jumps the scrambler, who quickly checks the pager on his belt, equipped with text messaging to consult the latest list of proteins needed or something like that. Now let's consider the anti-freeze gene making its debut in the DNA of a tomato. The gene writes a prescription for RNA, instructing it to make an anti-freeze protein. But what happens when that RNA wanders past a code scrambler? What if the scrambler checks its clipboard and thinks there's a match? If the scrambler jumps on the foreign RNA that it has never encountered before and starts to move things around, God knows what protein it will create. Man sure doesn't. As long as the scientists were absolutely sure that a single gene created one and only one possible protein, then they could confidently insert that gene in a new species and be sure that it would create the unique protein. The scientists were absolutely sure, but they were wrong. According to Barry Commoner, senior scientist at the Center for the Biology of Natural Systems at Queens College, quote, the fact that one gene can give rise to multiple proteins destroys the theoretical foundation of a multi-billion dollar industry, the genetic engineering of food crops, end quote. In the presence of the code scramblers, the foreign genes inserted in GM crops might create many unintended proteins with unpredictable effects on ecosystems and human health. The relationship between genes and the code scramblers has evolved for billions of years, 
right along with the evolution of DNA itself. We do not fully understand how they work together in the same species. We certainly can't predict how they will work when a gene from one species meets a code scrambler from another. Will the code scramblers ignore the foreign gene? Or will the code scramblers try to switch around its prescription and accidentally create a protein that might be toxic or allergenic or the source of a new disease? It's hard to say since no one generally tests for this. Quote, they don't want to know says Joseph Cummins, professor emeritus of genetics at the University of Western Ontario. He says that in spite of the overwhelming evidence to the contrary, the biotech industry would rather make the assumption that their foreign gene will somehow avoid the host organism scramblers. If not, genetic engineering would be way too risky. The engineers might be excused for not testing for new proteins when inserting genes taken from bacteria. Unlike genes from plants, animals, and humans, bacterial genes are usually not scrambled. In order to be scrambled, genes need to be equipped with introns. We'll call them signal beacons. These beacons send out a message loud and clear to the code scramblers, saying in effect, pick me. Most scientists assume that nearly all genes that have these signals end up getting scrambled and that those that don't do not. Most plant and animal genes have signal beacons. In bacteria, most do not. Since bacterial genes don't often have the signals, scientists assume that they won't get scrambled when they are put into a different genetic environment. This should mean that genetically modified Bt crops are immune to scrambling. Bt crops, including corn, cotton, and canola, are engineered to produce their own insecticide. The foreign gene that produces the Bt toxin is from a bacterium and is devoid of signal beacons. But when engineers first put the Bt gene into plants, the gene didn't work very well it produced very little Bt protein. To pump up Bt production, they attached, guess what, signal beacons. These signal beacons, it turns out, not only enable scrambling, they can also pump up protein production. Sure enough, the newly outfitted Bt genes did produce more Bt. The plant's genetics responded to the signals. But wouldn't that mean that the code scramblers would also respond? Rather than doing a careful analysis to verify that unintended proteins were not created, the manufacturer of GM crops decided to stay with their original assumptions. They assume, according to Commoner, quote, without adequate experimental proof that a bacterial gene for an insecticidal protein, for example, transferred to a corn plant, will produce precisely that protein and nothing else, end quote. Code scramblers aren't the only things found in a cell that can make an inserted foreign gene change its characteristics. Number two, Hitchhikers. Even if the foreign gene gets past the code scramblers untouched and creates its intended protein, there's another problem. According to Professor David Schubert of the Salk Institute for Biological Studies, the effect that a particular protein has on a plant or animal, quote, can be modified by the addition of molecules such as phosphate, sulfate, sugars, or lipids, end quote. These add-on molecules, we'll call them hitchhikers, vary throughout the organism. Each cell type expresses a unique repertoire of them and may modify the protein in different ways. For example, the same protein found in both the liver and the brain can pick up entirely different hitchhikers and consequently have different effects on the body. With Bt corn, will the foreign insecticide protein pick up a hitchhiker molecule in the corn kernel, changing the way it behaves? Will a different hitchhiker be picked up in the roots or leaves or stems, changing the protein's behavior there? The answers are not known. Scientists don't necessarily know if the hitchhikers are added or what their effects on the plant might be. Number three, 
chaperones. In addition to its amino acid sequence and the presence of hitchhikers, a protein's shape also determines its effect. Commoner says in order to do its job right, quote, the newly made protein, a strung out ribbon of a molecule, must be folded up into a precisely organized structure, end quote. He points out that according to the old theory of genetics, the protein, quote, always folded itself up in the right way once its amino acid sequence had been determined. In the 1980s, however, it was discovered that some proteins are on their own likely to become misfolded and therefore remain biochemically inactive unless they come in contact with a special type of chaperone protein that properly folds them, end quote. Here again is a problem. What happens when a foreign insecticide protein comes face to face with the corn's chaperone folders? Will they leave it alone? Will they try to fold it? Will they get it right? There's no way to know. The chaperones have never met the protein before. Dr. Peter Wills of Auckland University warns, quote, an incorrectly folded form of an ordinary cellular protein can, under certain circumstances, duplicate itself and give rise to infectious neurological disease, end quote. Prions, responsible for mad cow disease, and the deadly Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease in humans are examples of such dangerous misfolded proteins. So far, we have identified three potential sources for unprecedented effects that were not taken into consideration by the crafters of genetic engineering, code scramblers, hitchhiker molecules, and chaperone folders. These complex processes have, in commoners' words, quote, evolved in a harmonious relationship over a long evolutionary period, subject to many thousands of years of testing in nature, end quote. But when you take a gene that is used to functioning in a bacterium and put it into the DNA of soy, cotton, or corn, for example, the plant system's evolutionary history is very different from the bacterial genes. What was a harmonious interdependence in their own environment is likely to be disrupted in unspecified, imprecise, and unpredictable ways. In commoners' view, quote, these disruptions are revealed by the numerous experimental failures that occur before a GM organism is actually produced, and by unexpected genetic changes that occur even when the gene has been successfully transferred. He concludes, quote, the biotechnology industry is based on science that is 40 years old and conveniently devoid of more recent results. There are strong reasons to fear the potential consequences of transferring a DNA gene between species. What the public fears is not the experimental science, but the fundamentally irrational decision to let it out of the laboratory into the real world before we truly understand it, end quote. Richard Stroman, professor emeritus at the University of California, Berkeley, adds, quote, we're in a crisis position where we know the weakness of the genetic concept, but we don't know how to incorporate it into a more complete understanding. Monsanto knows this. DuPont knows this. Novartis knows this. They all all know what I know, but they don't want to look at it because it's too complicated and it's going to cost too much to figure it out. End quote. Number four, messing up the host's normal DNA. We have used the word insert when describing the placement of foreign genes into a host DNA. That's more than polite. One common method used to insert genes is to blast them into the DNA with a 22 caliber gene gun. Scientists first coat thousands of tiny shards of gold or tungsten with the foreign gene. Then 
Then they pointed at a dish containing thousands of unsuspecting cells. Then they fire, hoping that at least some of the foreign genes will end up in the right place in at least some of the DNA. This, by the way, is what the biotech industry refers to as their highly precise method of gene transfer. The impact of a gene-coded shard flying at hundreds of miles an hour into the DNA might, as you probably have guessed, result in some structural quote-unquote consequences. The native genes can be damaged in ways that the engineer may not be able to identify. When foreign genes take up residence in DNA, whether via gene guns or through other methods, it can have drastic effects. Michael Antonio, senior lecturer in molecular pathology and head of a research group at one of London's leading teaching hospitals, says, quote, This procedure results in disruption of the genetic blueprint of the organism with totally unpredictable consequences, end quote. The information in the DNA can be reorganized and mixed up. Maria Vincent, a Monsanto spokeswoman, admits, quote, the phenomenon of rearrangements at the point of genetic insertion is widely recognized, end quote. Her comment, however, understates the impact. The BBC's Tomorrow's World magazine is more explicit, quote, genetic engineering is generally a hit and miss affair. The genes may be inserted the wrong way around, or multiple copies may be scattered throughout a plant's genome. They may be inserted inside other genes, destroying their activity or mass increasing it. More worryingly, a plant's genetic makeup may become unstable, again with unpredictable results. Genes may switch on or off unexpectedly with possible unexpected or unknowable effects. Genes can hop around the genome for no obvious rhyme or reason. Rogue toxins may be produced or existing ones amplified massively. Such problems may only arise hundreds of generations after the crops are originally modified. End quote. DNA instability is a common feature of genetic engineering. In a survey of at least 30 companies developing GM crops, all had observed it. New DNA chip technology has recently allowed scientists to monitor changes in DNA functioning when foreign genes are inserted. In one experiment, there was a staggering 5% disruption of overall gene expression. In other words, after a single foreign gene had been added through genetic engineering, one out of every 20 genes that were creating proteins either increased or decreased their output. According to Schubert, quote, while these types of unprecedented changes in gene expression are very real, they have not received much attention outside the community of the DNA chip users. There is currently no way to predict the resultant changes in protein synthesis, end quote. A change in the host's DNA due to the process of inserting a foreign gene is called insertion mutation. In human gene therapy, studies have verified that insertion mutation can lead to leukemia in children. Such an effect is so widely recognized, there is even a term to to describe it. Insertion carcinogenesis. In plants, according to Cummins, the disruptions may be similarly dangerous, producing unprecedented toxins, but they haven't been studied closely. Number five, horizontal gene transfer and antibiotic resistance. After the foreign genes are blasted into the cells, only a small percentage end up inside DNA. To figure out which of the thousands of cells on the plate have the foreign gene in their DNA, scientists typically attach an antibiotic-resistant marker, ARM, gene 
to their foreign gene. If the gene package makes it into the DNA, the ARM gene will render that cell invincible to a normally deadly dose of antibiotics. Thus, after the genes are shot into the pile of cells, the cells are all doused with antibiotics. Those that survive got the genes in their DNA. Those that die did not. Only one in thousands survives. Many scientists are concerned that when humans and animals eat GM food, the ARM genes will transfer into the bacteria found inside the digestive system. This process, whereby genes travel from one species to another, is called horizontal gene transfer. If the ARM gene moves between species, it could result in new and dangerous antibiotic-resistant diseases. The biotech companies assure the public that ARM genes cannot be transferred between food and bacteria in the human gut. They refer to evidence, says Michael Hansen, from animal studies in the 1970s and 80s that, quote, failed to find evidence that DNA survived digestion, end quote. When detection techniques became more sensitive starting in the late 1980s, however, animal feeding studies confirmed that DNA not only survives. It is found in the blood, intestinal wall, liver, spleen, and feces, and even remains intact in the digestive system for more than five days. DNA can even travel via the placenta into unborn mice. More pertinent, however, is a 2002 study that was dubbed, quote, the world's first known trial of GM foods on human volunteers, end quote. Research demonstrated that a relatively large proportion of genetically modified DNA survived the passage through the human small intestine and that horizontal gene transfer did occur. GM soy that was present in the burger and milkshake fed to subjects at the beginning of the experiment transferred its herbicide-resistant gene to the bacteria inside their digestive systems. The transfer occurred after only a single meal. Quote, everyone used to deny that this was possible, says Antonio. It suggests that you can get antibiotic marker genes spreading around the stomach, which would compromise antibiotic resistance. They have shown that this can happen even at very low levels after just one meal, end quote. BT corn contains an ARM gene that resists the commonly prescribed antibiotic ampicillin. Scientists worry that this gene's widespread presence in human and animal food will render ampicillin useless in treating disease. The World Health Organization, Britain's House of Lords, the American Medical Association, and even the Royal Society have all called for a phase-out of the use of ARM genes. Number six, position effects. When a foreign gene makes it into the DNA, there is no telling where along the strand it will end up. The inserted gene could disrupt any number of naturally expressed traits, depending on where it lands. For example, when scientists inserted a foreign gene into a plant from the mustard family, the plant's ability to crossbreed with related species varied depending on where in the DNA the gene was located. Similarly, the location of a foreign gene can dictate how well it does its job. In some locations, it will not produce its protein at all. In others, it will produce too little. These location-specific changes are called position effect, a kind of genetic Russian roulette. Number seven, gene silencing. One common position effect is that either the foreign gene or the native genes in their vicinity get shut off. They are no longer able to produce their protein. This common and unpredictable occurrence is called gene silencing. One way that a native gene can get permanently disabled is if the foreign gene ends up right in the middle of it. This happened in one experiment and the mouse embryos ended up dying. Silencing native genes can result in all sorts of unpredictable outcomes. For example, 
in his testimony before the United States Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Hansen of the Consumers Union warned that if the process of genetic engineering turned off a native gene whose job was to prevent, quote, the expression of some toxin, the net result of the insertion would be to increase the level of that toxin, end quote. Number eight, environmental influences. Scientists observed gene silencing when genetically engineering petunia plants. The inserted foreign gene was designed to express salmon red. Scientists expected virtually all the flowers to bloom with the same red color. Instead, the flowers varied in both color and pattern. The variation was due to the silencing of the foreign genes in some of the plants, which plants had silenced foreign genes depended on the position effect, where in the DNA those foreign genes ended up. In this experiment, however, there was another factor influencing the plants. The color of those petunia flowers inexplicably changed during the season. More of the foreign genes were switched off as the season progressed. Here, the changes in gene expression were apparently linked to environmental changes. Number 9. Light switches. Churning on your genes. In normal circumstances, a gene in one cell will busily pump out its protein, while in another cell, that same gene just quietly hangs out unused. Its protein isn't needed. Take, for example, the gene whose protein makes the eyes blue. In the pigment cells of the iris, that gene stays busy. But in the whites of the eyes, that same gene gets to relax. Otherwise, if it got activated, Perhaps the entire eye would turn blue. Who tells the gene when to work and when to rest? Somehow, every cell provides a clear-cut job description for all its genes. Work here, rest there, work for a little, then take a break. And the job description can change depending on what the body needs. When genetic engineers put an insecticide gene into the DNA of corn, however, the corn cell doesn't have a clue what to do with this gene that it's never seen before. Should it be turned on or turned off? Biologists can't speak the language of the cell. They don't know how to tell it to monitor the whole organism and to switch on the new gene only when needed, as it does with all the other genes. Instead, biologists do something unprecedented in the cell's experience. The new gene is sent in with a quote-unquote light switch permanently in the on position, set to high intensity. This keeps the new gene working 24-7 non-stop in all cells of the plant. The light switch, called the promoter, consists of genetic material that is attached to the insecticide gene prior to insertion. The selection of this genetic material presents an interesting and dangerous challenge. The cell protects DNA from foreign invaders. In plants and animals, an elaborate defense system normally prevents foreign genes from getting a foothold. But there are certain highly aggressive genetic invaders that get past the cell's defenses, most notable among these are viruses, some of which are cancer-causing. These can wreak havoc on the DNA and the entire organism. Molecular biologists borrow the light switch from one of these viruses since it works in the DNA of all types of plants. Called the cauliflower mosaic virus, CAMV promoter, it is designed to overcome a plant cell's defensive devices to prevent foreign DNA from being expressed. The CAMV's light switch, or promoter, is a key element enabling the virus to hijack a plant cell's genetic machinery and make copies of itself. This bullying nature allows it to operate independently of the cell's normal, harmonious, and coordinated self-regulation. Therefore, in spite of any protests by the cell or its DNA, the CAMV promoter 
will cause the gene to which it is attached to switch into overdrive. Some biologists warn that the energy and resources that a plant requires to keep a gene switched on round the clock in every cell can drain other systems. There's no way to know what other systems will get sacrificed or what consequences that will mean for the health of the plant or for the eater of the plant. But the potential danger of the CAMD promoter is far greater. Hansen told an EPA panel that since this promoter operates outside of normal regulatory circuits of the plant's own DNA, it, quote, may be one of the reasons why GM foods are known to be so unstable, end quote. Scientists from all over the world have expressed concern about CAMV, calling for an immediate ban. Their concerns have been heightened by studies showing that the CAMV promoter not only turns on the foreign gene to which it is attached, but other native genes as well. In other words, genes that are supposed to be dormant, like the blue eye genes in the whites of the eyes, are forced to start producing their proteins against the wishes of the cell. The CAMV promoter may turn on native genes over long long distances up and down the strand of DNA. It can even turn genes on in a different chromosome. There's no practical way to turn off or adjust the volume of these chemical switches. This can create a flood of proteins that are totally inappropriate. Turning genes on or off is another form of Russian roulette. Whether the process creates new toxins, allergens, cancers, or nutritional changes is anyone's guess. Number 10. Hot spots. Studies also show that the promoter creates a quote-unquote hot spot in the DNA. This means that the whole DNA section or chromosome can become unstable. This can cause breaks in the strand or exchanges of genes with other chromosomes. According to Cummins, a promoter can have quote the same impact as a heavy dose of gamma radiation. End quote. Number 11. Waking sleeping viruses. The nature of the CAMV promoter presents yet another risk, which Cummins believes is, quote, probably the greatest threat from genetically altered crops, end quote. He says that laboratory research demonstrates that, quote, the insertion of modified virus and insect virus genes into crops can create highly virulent new viruses, end quote. To understand this, we must again look at how the theory of genetics has evolved since genetic engineering began. Only a small percentage of the DNA has been identified as genes. In humans, it's between 1.1 and 1.4 percent, the much larger larger portion of the DNA was once referred to as junk DNA. It was considered by scientists to be useless debris left over from the evolution of the species. Shooting foreign genes into sections of junk DNA was considered a safe zone. In reality, it may be just the opposite. As the DNA has evolved, it has become a repository of genetic material going back eons. Included among this material are viruses that have worked their way into the DNA in the distant past, but are now dormant. Cummins says, quote, most viruses have eroded and have lost the ability to become reactivated as viruses. But, he warns, some are quite complete and would be easy to turn on. End quote. Cummins and others are concerned that the CAMV promoter, which is used in nearly all commercialized GM crops, might be reactivating viruses. In addition to waking viruses in the DNA of corn, soy, and other GM foods, they are concerned that the promoters might move between organisms through horizontal gene transfer. Suppose, for example, that the CAMV promoter from a GM corn kernel wanders off inside the stomach of a human and gets reattached to the DNA of a dormant virus. Instead of promoting an insecticide gene as was intended, it may be now switching on a virus. Cummins warns, quote, 
Horizontal transfer of the CAMV promoter has the potential to reactivate dormant viruses or create new viruses in all species to which it is transferred. End quote. Number 12 cancer. The CAMV light switch and other viral promoters used in GM crops can also activate other non-viral genes in the species where it happens to be transferred. One consequence of such inappropriate overexpression of genes may be cancer. Stanley Ewan, one of the Scotland's leading experts in tissue diseases, agrees. He says the CAMV promoter, quote, could affect stomach and colonic lining by causing a growth factor effect with the unproven possibility of hastening cancer formation in those organs, end quote. In December 2002, Ewan issued a strong warning to the Scottish Parliament's Health and Community Care Committee, which was considering the fate of future trial plots of GM crops. Ewan said that even the food and water in the area near the crops may be contaminated by GM material. He also described risks of GM animal feed. Quote, it is possible cow's milk will contain GM derivatives that can be directly ingested by humans as milk or cheese. Even even a lightly cooked thick fillet steak could contain active GM material. End quote. Thorough cooking would probably destroy most GM material. Stomach acids might similarly break it down. Ewan is concerned that those who have impaired digestion as a result of even common stomach infections might be more at risk from intact GM genes and would be vulnerable to the CAMV promoter's growth factor effect. He said, quote, I don't want to be scaremongering. I want to be understated. But I'm very concerned that people who rely on local produce might be endangering themselves. End quote. Number 13. Risks from breathing genetically modified DNA. A letter from the British government's Joint Food Safety and Standards Group to the US FDA discusses the dangers of gene transfer via inhaled pollen. Although there is no research verifying this, if it were true, it might not only pose a risk for farm workers, but also for the general public, since some GM pollen can travel for considerable distances. The biotech industry has assured the public for years that horizontal gene transfer won't occur with GM foods. Their assumption has proven false. They have also assured scientists, without experimental evidence, that the CAMV promoter doesn't function in animals, only plants. If it did, they assert, then simply eating cauliflower or other vegetables with the natural virus would create problems. According to Mei Wan Ho, a geneticist and biophysicist at the UK's Open University, there is a great difference between the CAMV in vegetables and the CAMV promoter used in GM foods. The viruses in vegetables are protected in the environment by a protein coat that is wrapped around the DNA. This prevents the CAMV from entering the cells of mammals. The CAMV promoter used in GM foods, however, is naked viral DNA and has no such restrictions. Research has supported Ho's assertion that it is active in animals. 14. Synthetic genes. Most foreign genes used in GM crops are not natural. They are synthetic. Since plant and bacterial genes use different sequences to describe certain amino acids, the codes of bacterial genes have to be altered so they will read correctly in the plant. Cummins says, quote, Use of synthetic genes has become pervasive in genetic engineering, and these synthetic genes are assumed to be equivalent. But there are a lot of differences between them that have been ignored. In particular, the bacterial genes used in Bt crops and Roundup Ready soy and corn are changed a great deal. 
end quote. He says, governmental agencies simply accept the company's assumptions of equivalence since, quote, the regulators are naive in the area of genetics and molecular biology, end quote. 15. Genetic disposition. For reasons not well understood, inserting the same gene into different varieties of the same plant species can have widely varying results. According to his testimony to the EPA Science Advisory Panel in October 2000, Hansen says, quote, in some varieties, the trait can be expressed at high enough levels to have the desired impact. In others, the expression level is too low to have the desired impact, end quote. Similarly, it's possible that certain varieties of the same species may be more prone to unwanted and potentially dangerous side effects when implanted with a new gene. Scientists do not yet have a grasp on how a particular plant's genetic disposition dictates the results of genetic engineering, and the safety testing procedures don't generally concern themselves with this variation. 16. Complex Unpredictable Interactions Quote, when you insert a foreign gene, you are changing the whole metabolic process, says the University of Georgia's Sherrod Fatak. You just don't change one thing. Each change is going to have an effect on other pathways. Will any one gene kick off a whole slew of changes? We don't know for sure. End quote. Genes can influence each other. Proteins can influence each other. And altered proteins can activate or deactivate genes. With each change, a new interaction can begin, setting off yet more changes. 17. Rearranged codes. Sometimes the process of genetic engineering results in a rearranged sequence of genetic information. Although the cause is not clear, it may be associated with the effect of the gene gun combined with the cell's attempt to repair wounds. 18. Gene stacking. The opportunity for unprecedented interactions increases when GM crops are engineered with not just one foreign gene, but with multiple quote-unquote stacked genes. One version of Monsanto new leaf potato, for example, was stacked with eight different traits. It created its own pesticide, resisted diseases, was tolerant to herbicide, increased its weight, and reduced bruising. Some GM crops accidentally acquire additional foreign genes through cross-pollination. Canola plants in Canada, for example, ended up with foreign genes from two different companies, each conferring tolerance to its own brand of herbicide. Stacked genes and their proteins may interact in dangerous ways. Traditional pesticides illustrate this principle. When they are mixed with other pesticides or chemicals, their strength can be multiplied. Compounds that enhance the activity of pesticides are not uncommon. In fact, scientists accidentally discovered that the Bt toxin created by varieties of GM corn, cotton, and canola becomes more deadly to insects when mixed with very small amounts of a naturally occurring antibiotic, a byproduct of bacteria. Tests have not been conducted to determine if the greatly enhanced toxicity is dangerous to humans or wildlife. 19. Nutritional Problems Changes in the DNA, both intended and accidental, can influence a plant's nutritional content. In fact, many of the potential problems already addressed in this list might change the health value of a GM food. Studies have pointed out numerous differences in the composition of GM corn and soy compared to their natural non-GM counterparts. Altered nutrition can lead to unanticipated side effects. Cows fed GM Roundup-ready soy, for example, produced milk with increased fat content. This illustrates a cascading effect where one problem leads to others. 20. Allergens Genetic engineering can transform a harmless food into one containing a potentially deadly allergen in at least three different ways. 1. The level of a naturally occurring allergen might be increased. 2. 
A gene taken from one type of food might transfer allergenic properties when inserted into another food. And three, unknown allergens may result from foreign genes and proteins never before part of the human food supply. And lastly, number 21, human error. In addition to working with obsolete theories and limited understanding, genetic engineers also operate in a field where there are ample opportunities for human error. Some errors are caught. Some get away. One that got away was reported on February 21st, 1999. According to the UK's Sunday Independent, Monsanto had mixed up quote-unquote crucial information about a foreign gene that was inserted into herbicide-tolerant corn. The incorrect data had been submitted to the UK's Advisory Committee on Releases into the Environment, ACRE, for a safety assessment. The article reported, quote, committee members were furious that Monsanto had asked them to approve a marketing application based on inaccurate information. They accused Monsanto of submitting sloppy research, poor interpretation, and work far below required standards, end quote. Monsanto was referred to as quote-unquote incompetent and their standard of work quote-unquote wholly unacceptable. Quote, it's very worrying, said Janie White, a molecular biologist. This means that somebody somewhere in Monsanto is getting it wrong, end quote. Apparently, the mistake had already gotten past regulators in the United States where the corn was already approved. In addition to errors in the creation or evaluation of a GMO, another type of common error is accidentally letting unapproved GMOs into the food supply. For example, in February 2003, Reuters reported, quote, nearly 400 pigs used in U.S. bioengineering research may have entered the food supply because they were sold to a livestock dealer instead of being destroyed, end quote. Similarly, a year earlier, 11 GM piglets had been accidentally ground into poultry feed. There have also been numerous incidences of unapproved crop varieties ending up in food. GM crops modified to produce pharmaceuticals or industrial chemicals have also contaminated nearby fields through pollen transfer or accidental mixing. A combination of human error and the unpredictable effects of genetic engineering was revealed in May of 2000. Monsanto's Roundup Ready soybeans had already been on the market for seven years. The company thought they had inserted only a single foreign gene, along with its CAMV promoter. The gene, derived from bacteria, allowed the soy plant to survive high concentrations of Monsanto's herbicide called Roundup. To the company's surprise, they discovered that there were two additional gene fragments that had been inserted into the soy DNA accidentally. According to Sue Mayer, director of the independent research group GeneWatch, quote, these results demonstrate that genetic modification is a clumsy process, not precise as is often claimed. There is no control over how many genes, in what order, or where they are inserted. Additional copies or fragments of genes may affect the operation of the other inserted genes, which could have consequences for the performance and composition of the plant. This may have implications for human and environmental safety, end quote. Charlie Kronick of Greenpeace added, quote, after years on the market, Monsanto reveals that neither the industry or the regulators actually know what genes are in it. What else don't we know? End quote. 
More that we didn't know was soon revealed. A year later, a team of Belgian scientists published their surprising discovery that adjacent to one of those rogue inserted gene fragments was a sequence of DNA with 534 bases that was not part of the Roundup gene and was not natural soybean DNA either. According to the New York Times, their findings, quote, suggested that this unknown DNA is probably the plant's own DNA, but that it was somehow rearranged or scrambled at the time the bacterial gene was inserted. Another possibility, they said, is that a portion of the plant's DNA was deleted, leaving other DNA in that position, end quote. Commoner cites a third possibility. The plant's own proteins, which are normally used to correct DNA errors, might have rearranged the foreign gene's sequence of bases. Whatever the reason, the abnormal DNA was large enough to produce a new protein, a potentially harmful protein. Doug Parr, Greenpeace UK's chief scientific advisor, warned, quote, no one knows what this extra gene sequence is, what it will produce in the soybean, and what its effects will be, end quote. Tony Combes of Monsanto defended the newly discovered piece of DNA, saying, quote, it would have been a constituent of the Roundup-ready soybeans used in all the safety assessment studies, end quote. What safety assessment studies? Let's look at the body of safety assessment research on these soybeans, including both published studies and the unpublished research Monsanto submitted to the UK's ACNFP for approval. We'll see if it adequately tests for the potential risks discussed thus far in this chapter. 1. To make sure that code scramblers didn't rearrange the code on Monsanto's foreign genes and create new, unexpected proteins, researchers would have been required to identify the type and quantity of all proteins in the soybean, both before and after modification. This pre- and post-inspection would also be required to make sure that the CAMV light switch didn't accidentally turn on any native genes in the soy's DNA. The researchers did not do these tests. Two, to protect against the unintended behavior of hitchhiker molecules, researchers would have been required to make sure that their new protein was devoid of these added molecules, and they would need to look for them in every part of the plant and in multiple growing conditions. They did not. 3. To avoid a misfolding of the new protein by the soy's chaperone folders, scientists would be required to compare the shape of their protein in the soy plant with its natural shape in the bacterium, also under varied conditions. They didn't do that either. 4. Scientists would have to carefully inspect the GM plant's entire DNA structure to be sure that the process of inserting the gene, or the CAMV hotspot, didn't disrupt any other sequence. They obviously didn't do that since they had missed two fragments of foreign DNA and the mystery DNA sequence that no one had ever seen before. 5. The fact that the position effects of the foreign gene and other factors can cause gene silencing, accidentally turning off native genes, presents a particularly difficult challenge. Some native genes are only expressed under very limited circumstances or in small regions of the plant. If one of these rarely used genes got silenced, how would researchers know? They would have to compare protein expression of all parts of the natural and GM plants under an enormous variety of circumstances, varying age, disease, nutrients, environment, and pests, to name a few. Such a thorough analysis might not even be possible. Needless to say, it wasn't attempted. 6. Researchers also failed to safeguard against the creation of new viruses, which in theory might occur by either activating the host's 
sleeping viruses or through horizontal gene transfer. 7. Antibiotic resistance is not an issue with Roundup Ready soy. It is an issue for GM corn, and it has not been adequately tested. 8. Effects of the environment on gene expression and differences in genetic makeup of soy varieties were assessed only under limited conditions. Their effects were measured using only a few factors, such as crop yield. 9. Synthetic genes were considered equivalent. Any potential differences were not addressed in the research. 10. Very little research has evaluated unanticipated changes due to complex interactions or to multiple foreign genes, either produced by gene stacking or through cross-pollination. 11. Researchers did not look for transfer of genetic material via ingested meat or milk through contaminated water or by inhaling GM pollen. They assume none of these transfers are possible. 12. Scientists' concerns that the CAMV promoter might promote cell growth and lead to cancer have not been ruled out through rigorous studies. 13. Although some nutritional studies have been carried out, none have been exhaustive enough to identify the numerous differences that may be present. And finally, 14. Researchers failed to adequately test to see if anyone would be allergic to their soy. Although some cursory analysis of its potential allergenic properties was done, no adequate test has yet been devised. Thus, whatever the safety assessment the Monsanto representative was referring to, none has adequately identified or prevented many of the potentially serious problems that might already be plaguing society. In our pursuit to discover the cause of hairy pigs, toxic tobacco, and scores of other mishaps, we churned up more questions than answers. We can better understand the conclusions of a team of scientists who set out to document all that was not yet understood in the science of genetically modified crops. They said, quote, controversies and knowledge gaps appear to be present at all levels, end quote. These gaps in knowledge are not merely academic. Quote, given our current lack of understanding of the consequences of GM technology, Schubert says, GM food is not a safe option. End quote. Commoner warns, quote, none of the essential tests are being performed and billions of transgenic plants are now being grown with only the most rudimentary knowledge about their changes. Given that some unexpected effects may develop very slowly, crop plants should be monitored in successive generations as well. Without detailed ongoing analyses, there is no way of knowing if hazardous consequences might arise. The genetically engineered crops now being grown represent a massive, uncontrolled experiment whose outcome is inherently unpredictable. The results could be catastrophic." End quote. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Friday, May 28, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.